You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? This just in, breaking news. After the mysterious disappearance of all podcasts on the internet, a new podcast has sprung up to take their places. The Fanbolts vow to make the internet a place worth visiting again. Now let's hear from the man on the street. Yeah, the Fanbolts seem alright. Yes, the ignorant masses have fallen for it. Too late, the Schweinhund will realize that they are listening not to Van Bolts, the podcast that has so recently found their favor, but rather Van Holes, the podcast made for the fans by the fans. You have done well, my Van Bolts. Or perhaps I should call you by your real names. Derek W.C. Breakdown. Grimlock. Thunderfing Chain Claw. Once the fitless fools will not realize it until it is too late. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? This is uh, Fanholes Podcast. You're listening to the awesome, super cool podcast stylings of the Fanholes. Uh, tonight we're going to have a really awesome show for you. We seem to be in a rather giddy mood, I believe. Um, but that's rather appropriate because we're going to be talking about uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is quite a humorous little uh, fun poking at uh, sort of B-movies and sci-fi movies. And we're going to be kind of reminiscing about that show tonight. And then uh, for the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about one of our uh, fellow fan holes, Mike's favorite group of comic book superheroes. Uh, we're just going to be doing, I guess, kind of like a little retrospective, I suppose, on the Thunderbolts, you know, like talk about the early days of the Thunderbolts, you know, how we all kind of came across the comic book and, and kind of the stories that we've read and, and, and how they're shaping up today and everything like that. But uh, uh, as always, uh, this is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be your host for tonight. And then uh, joining me tonight are the full contingent. That's all five of the fan holes. So we haven't had this in a while. So this is kind of, this is kind of an exciting moment for us. So uh, go ahead, everybody. Shout out and, and let the listeners know who's here tonight. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Welcome back, Tony. Hey, it's Mike, and I still support the railing system. This is Justin Grimlock, Prince of Space. And thank you, Brian. I am Tony Chainclaw, Cinderella. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, no one knows what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> 
they, they all, they're all going to stop the podcast right now, go watch House Bunny for two hours, and then put the podcast back on, I guess, is what happened. I get that now. <laughs> What's the matter with you, Mickey? This might be dangerous. I'm not afraid if you want to go on home. Wait, those are two separate ideas. <laughs> yeah. I saw some smoke. It's time for lunch. Look at this tree. I'm not afraid I'm wearing a tie. You go home. What is that thing? You go home. Hats are good. Okay, so now that you're back from watching that house, buddy, um, we are going to be talking about Waxing Poetic, about uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Now, I, I guess to most people, this is like, you know, a cable television show that ran on Comedy Central for a number of years. I guess there's some of the earlier episodes, you know, were on a different network for a little while. But basically, like, I guess it ran for about 10 seasons or so. And, you know, if you're not already familiar with the concept of, of what it is, is, you know, it's all kind of structured around, uh, you know, poking fun at, uh, you know, old B-movies, old science fiction movies. You know, you've got your regular cast of characters, uh, you know, that are kind of forced to watch these, you know, endure these kind of, you know, special movies of our time and uh and they kind of crack witticisms about it i'm sure our own uh fan hole sidecasts have some influence you know share some influence from the show and then uh i i mean i don't i don't know that i've i'm that big a fan of mystery science theater 3000 like i haven't watched it a lot but i know a lot of the other fan holes have so i guess i'd turn it over to, to some of the other fan holes like what when was the first time you actually like, watched Mystery Science Theater 3000 and what kind of turned you on to the show. I remember just, like, flipping through the channels one, like, summer afternoon and seeing, like, uh, seeing it on Comedy Central, which I didn't get to watch many episodes on Comedy Central. Like, I don't know why I just wasn't able to. It wasn't until I came to Sci-Fi Channel that I, like, became such a huge fan. I guess because of that, like, I'm a really big fan of, like, Mike. Not our Mike, but, like, Mike on the show. It's like yeah, I know, like the original I know, guy was Joel, yeah. Yeah, I know that's one of those fan things. It's like if you're a fan, you either prefer Joel or Mike. Like, I mean, I don't have anything against Joel, but like I'm a Mike person. Um, but yeah, like once it moved to Sci-Fi Channel, like I'm, I wasted like so many like Saturday mornings watching Mystery Science Theater. Like even if it was a rerun, like I I was still watching. Um, I think the great thing about it is. The sense of humor is, like, so odd, and there's so many, like, obscure references. It's like, you know, I, like, I was probably in high school, and I started watching it, and, like, I got some of the stuff, and other references, like, went way over my head. And, you know, now that I'm older, I can, like, rewatch certain things, and I'm like, oh, I totally get that now. Like, I know what they're talking about, and, like, that's, that's yeah, the most thing I appreciate. You can think you're a really smart guy, but then they'll throw a joke out there, and you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Some yeah. of it was, like, so obscure, you'd have to be, like, from Minnesota, like, from their area almost to get, like, what they're talking about sometimes. Yeah, true. Yeah. Especially with the Joel I think era. some of those some of those earlier shows were just, like, aired on a local network, I think. Uh, KTMA, right. yeah. But, uh, what about what about you, Brian? Like, what what was like your first exposure to MST3K? And like, who do you who do you prefer? Do you prefer Joel or Mike? Like, do you have a preference? I like uh, just came across it by accident. Basically, um, I've always been kind of a night owl, and it, it was sometime during middle school that I first stumbled across it. But it was just like I think it started like at two in the morning on um, WHO, which is like the NBC affiliate. 
But um, I was just up late one night, and I came across this channel, and there was, like, these shadows, and a movie was playing behind it. And it's kind of like, you know, what the crap's this? I didn't know. And so, like, I, I don't know if I, like, watched the whole first episode, but... um. You know, just gradually as 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 up that late at night, I'd be like, "Well, there's nothing else on. I want to check out that show again." And then, you know, I started getting into it because it was pretty funny, and I don't know, I just grew to love it, I guess. Um, so it's kind of just random hap- happenstance that I came across the show, but I did become a big fan. Um, as far as liking Joel over Mike, uh, the the episodes I saw being all reruns at the time, um, I guess I didn't really have a preference, like. Most of the episodes that I remember the best are Joel episodes, but when Mike was on, I certainly didn't like dislike him. I found more more that um like the robot voices when they would change that like bugged me a lot more. Ah, uh, yeah, like I like, yeah, I like the original Crow a lot that. better. Yeah, what like Doctor Forrester, like whatever that actor's name was, like when he played Crow, that's the Crow I prefer. And like even on Rift Tracks now, I think that's the most recent Crow, and I don't like his voice, but um. Tom Servo's been the same the whole, you know, the whole run that I've seen. So I've always liked his voice. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't really have one one preference for a host over the other. What about like like what you talked about like some of your shows that that are like your favorites? Like what what are some of the ones that Joel did that you think are like stand out that you have like a lot of fond memories of or whatever? Um, I managed to record a couple of them on tape, and I know the ones that I did that to were um, Pod People which is a Joel episode, and Mitchell, which is also, I think that's actually Joel's, like, last episode. Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell. 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 Dry on the sandwich. Mitchell. Heart's pounding. Mitchell. Veins clogging. Mitchell. Like, both those are, like, definitely standout episodes for me. And I think among the fan community as a whole, like, Mitchell's, like, probably one of the top three for most um, Misty's that are out there, like they'll choose that as one of their favorite um, episodes. Yeah, I know when I, when I was kind of doing some prep work for this episode, you know, I went back and watched a couple episodes, and you know, being a fan of like you know giant monsters and stuff like that, I watched a lot of the Gamera ones. So I think for that that week that I was prepping for this, like what was basically stuck in my head for for the entire week was like. Sandy Frank, Sandy Frank, because they, they just make fun of, like, the producer or whatever. And so, like, basically, like, it, it seemed like they were like, oh, no, not one of, another one of these guys' movies again. You know, like, they basically knew what they were what they were in for or whatever. But it, it was almost like a little jingle, you know, that you knew what was coming or whatever. So I always thought that was kind of funny. Um, what, what about you, Mike? Like, like, is is anything different from what some of these other guys said? Are you secret brothers? Or are you are you not? Like, in terms of discovering uh, MST3K or having a preference for for Joel or Mike or some of the robot voices and things like that? Uh, not really. I mean, I I only watched it basically like it used to be on repeats, like on Sci-Fi, uh, like in the afternoon, like on Saturday afternoons and stuff. And, like, when I'd have nothing to do and I'd just have the TV on and I'd see this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this, this show's great. And, you know, it, it, I'd, I'd just have it kind of on in the background. But sometimes I'd, like, watch, like, the, I'd, I'd be laughing at something, so I'd sit down and watch the whole thing. So, you know, I'm not, like, I, I, I don't know enough about it to, 
like, I don't think I even noticed, like, sometimes if there was, like, a, a different guy, like, either, you know, I, I, I might have even thought that, like, it, it was always, like, different people, like, in, like, you know, uh, as the human, I guess. Mike, like, I really like the one with Harry Kim when he was the host. <laughs> <laughs> Just guys in jumpsuits. <laughs> I won't go that far. But no, uh, I actually did look up though, like what episodes I really like remember watching and liked, and the the one I think is my favorite is uh, the one where they watch Space Mutiny. With, <laughs> it was like I, yeah. I, I'm always yeah I'm always dying when any anyone like the the railing like railing kill railing kill you know we put our faith someone, in blast hard cheese <laughs> yeah and and all like their names for him and stuff and the stupid bumper cars like that always cracks me up. <laughs> that, that's such a great. Ah! Calmly comes <laughs> off. <laughs> and when they're like, he bravely, bravely kills that disabled man. Like, <laughs> I don't know, that, that cracks me up. And I actually did watch, like, I was watching, like, in prep time, um, I saw there was an episode when, I remember, Justin, you mentioned, like, Manos, Hands of Fate was, like, one of the worst <laughs> movies, like, you've ever seen. And, like, I saw they did that, so I watched, like, that episode, and that had me cracking up, too. And, like, uh, with the, with Torgo and all that, and that was really, like, dude, uh, Torgo's tenderly stalking her and stuff, like... <laughs> the master wants you. Wants me? What kind of talk is that? Why, it's oily, sleazy talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, fun, fun uh, MST3K trivia. In that episode, that was a Joel episode. And Torgo, who was at the... Uh, there's a person playing Torgo with uh, Dr. Forrester. And Torgo was actually Mike Nelson. Hmm. Oh, like in the in the movie? No, in the uh, in no the, in the, the, the segments during yeah. the show. Yeah. No, I don't know who the hell Torgo was. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when we we talked about like favorite movie uh, giant movie monsters and like uh, uh, I know Brian, you mentioned you like you loved like Jet Jaguar, so like I looked up that episode <laughs> where they watched like Godzilla and Megalon, and that was like having me crack up too. Uh, I, I freaking love when they make fun of like the, the little like Japanese kid and stuff. I have saved and the family. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hated that kid. <laughs> I like I like when the kid's like, you know, I reckon he means to kill us. And he was like, you reckon you're Japanese, Epson? <laughs> yeah, that's like, our song. Jet Jaguar, yeah. Jet Jaguar. <laughs> and also, like, I love when, when Godzilla does his, like, epic, like, sliding drop kick. His very slow sliding drop <laughs> kick, like. They can't even make a joke. Like, they all just crack up. They're like, oh, that's just awesome. I'm a wrestling fan. I've never seen such technical skill in a dropkick. That's <laughs> good stuff. And the whole, like, uh, as I think Derek referred to it as the, the take your wallet <laughs> scene. Oh, yeah. Jet and yeah, Godzilla. They're like, I really loved that. But yeah, yeah, for the most part, like I'm not like uh, I don't have enough knowledge, I guess, to like be technical about it, like you guys. Like I don't know, like Joel or Mike or anything like that. But I've seen enough of the show to like know that I like it. So yeah, I think I think most of the episodes I've seen just in prep time for this episode have been Joel episodes. You know, like I think I the the one thing I watched uh, the whole thing the whole way through um, was uh, was Time of the Apes. So I watched that because I thought it was kind of funny, like because you know it, it looked like kind of like a 
you know, a, a Japanese knockoff of Planet of the Apes, you know, but instead, you know, the Japanese kids, you know, and, and their guardian go through this, you know, time capsule, and then all of a sudden, you know, apes are running, uh, you know, running the whole planet or whatever, so I, I don't know, I was kind of amused by that, you know, but, uh, you know, basically, like, I think Sandy Frank, you know, besides, <laughs> produ- you know, anything that was like Subaraya type stuff, you know, Ultraman, Gamera, things like that, I guess, you know, I guess in the U.S., Sandy Frank produced it. So that's why, like, I was watching all the Gamera things, and then I watched this Time of the Apes thing, and they're always talking about, they're all, oh, man, this is another Sandy Frank, you know, and then the robots are like, Sandy Frank, Sandy Frank, da, 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 or whatever, whatever the hell the jingle is, it just got stuck in my head, so I thought that was kind of funny. So what? What I mean? Do you have any experiences to share, Tony? Like, like the first time you, you know, a favorite episode or a first time you've seen MST3K or anything like that? Like, do you have a a preference between Joel and Mike or anything like that? Actually, uh, you guys may not have been aware of this because I guess I don't talk about it very much. I'm a huge Misty. Actually, I am not a part of the fan club or anything, but. I tuned into Comedy Central when it first started airing, and actually it was picked up just because it was a two-hour uh, show, and during that time it was when Comedy Central had just started up, and all their programming was two-hour blocks of various comedians just hosting clips of other comedians, and they were like desperate for original content, and that's one of the reasons why MST3K got picked up, and I fell in love with the show right out of the gate. It was just so hilarious. Um... I do have a lot of fondness for Joel. One of the things that I got, I didn't get pissed off about, but I really miss is when Mike came aboard. They stopped the invention exchange. Yeah. And yeah, I really liked that. I thought that was really funny. Um, Joel was kind of a prop comedian in a way. He would make kind of funny stuff that was like you know funny instead of carrot top stuff that wasn't. And I just I really enjoyed the dynamic. I really didn't like Mike at first. I was like, oh, who's this fucker coming in on my show? Bleh. You know, I mean, I ain't gonna lie. But, however, um, I did start watching the sci-fi episodes, um, and also got into Rift Tracks, which is what Mike Nelson is currently doing. It's pretty much the same thing as MST3K, except they, they basically do audio files for blockbuster movies. They obviously cannot license the blockbuster movies as far as the visuals. They can't, you know, show that movie without paying a lot of money for it. But they can record audio files, and you just place the audio file over the movie, and it plays just like a regular MST3K episode. Yeah, um, I listened to, to a couple of those. I remember listening to the one they did for, for Star Trek V. Okay, hey, you think uh, Shatner did his own stunts in this one? I uh, don't know, but I'm certain he did his own eating. Yeah, yeah, it's it really good stuff. And I, I, I grew to appreciate him, and... You know, got over my little fanboy hate. You know, I mean, I was like, you know what, this guy's funny. You know, it was just nostalgia lenses tinting my uh, perception. Uh, I did not actually watch a lot of sci-fi episodes. I think that's probably why I kind of hated Mike at first, because I was like, you know, again, you know, he took over the, oh, it's on sci-fi, you know, the fucking selling out because spaceship. Yeah. I don't know. I, it was the, it was my twenties. I was, I don't know, probably more drunk than I usually am now. But. uh <laughs> But the uh, one thing I really have always taken with me is, you know, Justin was talking about vague references that you don't get when you're younger and you're just like, you know, you're not a stupid kid. You just don't have the experience. Then when you get older, you watch the same episode again. You're like, oh, that's a really fucking funny joke, you know. And I agree. Mano's Hands of Fate is probably one of my favorites. That was one of my favorites just because my girlfriend at the time, me and her watched that with her uh, stepdad and uh, – 
you know, her uh, mom, and every one of us was just rolling on it. Just like, because Joel and then would just keep saying, like, just randomly keep putting in Manos, Hands of Fate. Which, uh, by the way, if you don't know, Manos is uh, Spanish, Spanish for hands. So it's hands, the hands of fate. Um, <laughs> great title. <laughs> and yeah, Torgo is just ridiculous. He has his own little theme music that sounds kind of creepy and stuff. And horrible production values. There's so many really great episodes that I can't even remember. The Gamera ones. Um, I, I think there's a theme song where it's like, he's a really fun, fun treat. He is filled with turtle meat. Um, <laughs> 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 and gosh, I get like, they, they do like, uh, go through so many movies. It's hard to like, keep track of all the ones I've seen. Have uh, you been to any of the Rift Tracks live events? No, I have not. They don't really come close to my area. I live in the South, unfortunately, so I think the, the closest they came was like Atlanta one time. None of your theaters broadcasted, though. Uh, again, <laughs> South. Where are we? Are we, you know, where uh, are we I can kind of back up Tony on on that. Like, you know, the closest one to me, like it, it's like every year around like Halloween, they usually do this, and mm-hmm. every year I make plans to go, and at the last minute my buddy backs out, and like I don't want to go by myself. But like where I live, like the closest one is like three hours away, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. I've been to the last two years, and it's really funny seeing it in person with, like, you know, a whole theater filled with other, you know, fans of the show and laughing along with you. It's a really great experience. What were the ones you saw, Brian? Uh, The first one was Jack the Giant Killer, like the original movie from the 50s or whatever. And then, um, gosh, I can't think of the the most recent one, but it's that Birds movie. Like, there's this, this kind of recent movie about killer birds. Oh, Birdemic? Yeah, it's Birdemic, <laughs> which is an awesome movie. I mean, people should watch it just on its own, even if they don't have um, access to the Rift Tracks thing, because it's funny. Oh, it's just it's so horrible, yeah. Aw, birds don't have teeth, you stupid idiot. But yeah, those are the two I saw. And um, they had a really, f- in front of Jack the Giant Killer, they had a really funny short about, like, um... Oh, it's something the supermarket savings witch or something. And it was like from the sixties <laughs> or seventies. But I mean it's a hysterical short. Like I don't know. Even I don't know. I just really enjoy the shorts, so Oh, by the way, I am not saying this and no one is hearing me. Wink wink, you know, fan holes listeners. If you want to get into uh MST three K, they are not widely available on YouTube to watch for free. <laughs> No, they are not. They are absolutely not. And the creators of the show certainly don't encourage that sort of thing at all. <laughs> of course not. Um, oh, and, and, uh, I did want to throw out a... I, I guess I am kind of plugging them a little bit. But uh, Rift Tracks is actually a uh, fan uh, kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, funded uh, venue. So when you donate to their... Uh, website and you can pay however much you want and you can download content totally they're totally cool about it and stuff like that it helps them out helps them make more riff tracks there's been guest stars a plenty on there they have guys like uh weird al uh i can't even name all the people who've been on there they had uh one of my favorite chad bader guy chad bader was on the the, the prequels yeah yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. So I, I kind of want to throw them a little plug because they're they're doing kind of the same thing we are, just kind of doing using the internet to you know try to entertain people. So I, I want to give them a, a shout out and uh, 
Also, uh, as, as far as my top three episodes, I, I would go with Jet Jaguar or what was it? What was the actual Godzilla movie? Godzilla, Godzilla versus, versus Megalon. Megalon. I just remember Jet Jaguar because that's the first time I ever saw it was MST3K, so that's what it's always going to be for me. Um, also, the uh, Creeping Horror is a really good one. And um, I, I have to say Manos is probably my favorite because if it weren't for MST3K, I could not watch that movie. I could not. It would, it would kill me. <laughs> I like how they're like, like the girl keeps asking about her dog and they're like, we told you, honey, you never had a dog. <laughs> Oh, I, I actually do have a question. Um, I know uh, Derek was asking, who's your favorite, Joel or uh, Mike? Um, I guess Justin and, and Brian, since you guys are more familiar with it. Which is your favorite villain? Do you like Pearl or Clayton? Uh, Dr. Forrester. Yeah. I, I don't think I've even seen a Pearl episode, to be honest. Oh, really? Like, was that the first season? No, that's the later season of sci-fi. Last seasons? Yeah, I don't think I've seen much from that era either. Since I'm a Mike guy, like I, I kind of have to go with Pearl. Yeah. Like originally, again, I like I said, I actually am a bigger fan than I guess you guys knew. Uh, Pearl actually was Forrester's mom, and she showed up in a couple of uh, early episodes with uh, Joel, and then with Mike, and then I never caught the transition. But at some point, I guess Clayton goes away, and Pearl becomes uh, the nemesis and stuff. So. Just a little fun fact for everybody. But yes, as far as uh, a total summation, is probably one of my favorite shows. I, I've gone to YouTube many times when I'm bored and I can't think of anything to watch, and I'll just click on a random episode I haven't seen. So yeah, I think I think the series is a good entertaining distraction for people who who enjoy that kind of stuff, you know. And 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 usually that I mean even even if if everything's not you know, the guys aren't on their ball game for every single bit of it. You know, there's always like one really funny bit somewhere in there, you know? So I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's fun to watch and stuff like that. Are there any other, uh, uh, thoughts or comments that anybody else has on uh, mystery science theater 3000 before we, uh, move on to the second segment of the show? Um, I'm just going to say my favorite episodes, uh, would be like Prince of space, which I alluded to in my intro, um, Space Mutiny, which Mike mentioned, um, Agent for Harm, which is like a really bad, like Italian James Bond ripoff. He maintains an appliance. Da -da -da -da! And uh, the very last episode, Diabolic, I think is really great. Who's in the Agent of Harm episode? Like the actual film? Um, the guy who was the bad guy in Thunderball, like the guy with the eye patch. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's another Joe Don Baker episode that they do, and he's he's like a spy, sort of, like a greasy, fat American spy in Italy or something, <laughs> and I can't think of the name of that movie, but I just wonder if it's the same, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Supposedly, oh. like, Joe Don Baker was, like, so upset with their uh, mauling of Mitchell that he... Like said, if you ever saw him in person, he's gonna kick their butts or something. <laughs> that that was in the book, at least. It was, it was such a classic film. Um, again, the <laughs> only thing I have left to say is <laughs> is once again, wink, wink. They're not on YouTube. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll also have the obligatory uh, spindle at the bottom. So if you want to find them through legal means you will be able to do yeah, so they, they, well. Yeah, they actually did release episodes on DVD and, and VHS. Yeah, so yeah. 
Yeah. Sadly, they're as expensive as crap. That's what I was going to say. It's like, man, like I would love to have them, but they're just so expensive, like $60 or more for like just, you know, the set. It's crazy. Yeah. And not only that, but the, the reason why I actually, you know, was talking about the unavailability on YouTube, man, it's hard to keep up with that, is they, they actually have a lot of episodes uh, not on YouTube <laughs> that uh, they don't have on the uh, VHS or DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. So, yeah, I, th- cool. I think that Godzilla vs. Megalon is, like, really hard to find and expensive on DVD. Lucky I taped it. Ha! <laughs> Damn you! Jet Jaguar! <laughs> Reformed supervillains, yes. We Thunderbolts have worked hard to change people's minds about us. But apparently, we've got a ways to go. Cool, so I guess uh, we're going to be moving over uh, from the realm of uh, television over into the realm of comic books. And we're going to be talking about a pretty long-running Marvel series. Uh, It started in uh, 1997, way back in 1997, when I was going to go to college and do college things and stuff. But um, anyway, yeah, this series uh, was, uh, for me, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I'll just give some of my brief overview of my introduction into the realm of Thunderbolts, and then I'll let you guys take it from there and maybe tell all the listeners, you know, how you came across Thunderbolts. But for me, it was kind of interesting, like, this was kind of a period where, you know, the the 90s was kind of wrapping up, and, you know... If, if you were into comics at the time, you probably, you know, fell into the hype at some point and you bought a lot of different superhero team books and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, for me, you know, I had bought tons of different books. But, you know, there, there's a point where, you know, you either, either buy a bunch of toys or you buy a bunch of comics and at some point you reach burnout, you know. And, like, for me with the Image comics, it was kind of like by the time it got to Gen 13, I had reached burnout. And I was like, oh, man, fuck you guys. I'm not buying this. And then, of course, that was, like, super popular and expensive. And, you know, all the back issues went for big money on the back market and stuff like that. So, I, you know, for me, it was like one of these things with Thunderbolts where when, when I first saw the ad for it and you didn't know what the secret super twist was, I was like, basically, you know, Heroes Reborn was coming out and, you know, they were going to do all this stuff with Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and stuff. And then I'm like, so, oh, all the real characters are gone. So I'm like, who the fuck are these Thunderbolt guys? Like, you expect me to buy another superhero team that I don't know anything about? (laughs) I was like, fuck you. I'm not buying this. Like, you know, and uh, that was basically like, you know, because, you know, you see him on the cover of The Incredible Hulk and you're like, who's this guy with the... The, the flag as a cape, like, come on, who are these guys? Like, I don't know who these guys are. Well, yeah. at the time at the time there, wasn't that also a time in Marvel where they were just, like, fucking throwing out all these kind of number one issues yeah. with characters yeah, yeah. nobody cared about? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it was kind of, like, wrapping up the tail end of the 90s. So, you know, the, you, I mean, if for every Thunderbolts, there was, you know, things like, you know... Animex! Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, you had all these kind of crazy books, you know, whether it was something popular like X-Force or it was something kind of ridiculous like the Night Stalkers. You know, you had like all these kind of Black crazy, crazy books. So, so <laughs> you know, for me, I was kind of like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, I totally am not going to buy this. So I, I, I'm just sharing that because I find it kind of interesting because had Wizard Comics Magazine not spoiled the end of the first issue, I probably would have not, like sought out 
Thunderbolts at all. You know, it was like one of those things where I was kind of like, oh, you know, basically they kind of spoil the ending where they say, oh, guess what? The most awesome comics ending ever. And I kind of went, this? With with these guys that I thought are, you know, a bunch of posers? Like, what's so awesome about it? And I read the article and I go, oh, that is pretty cool. It turns out they're really the masters of evil. So then I remember going to uh, to a comic store in Palo Alto and I ended up getting like the, the first, I don't know, five issues of Thunderbolts and the first five issues of, of uh, Kazar, I think, because they were they were promoting that at the time, and that was like Mark Wade and Kurt Busiek uh, yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, for, for me, that's kind of how I fell into Thunderbolts, pretty much. You know, I, I thought it sounded like a cool idea, but of course, this was kind of pre-internet in some ways as well. I mean, not that the internet didn't exist, but, you know, the idea nowadays, you know, you've got <laughs> solicitations and previews and all these things that could easily spoil, you know, a sort of surprise event. Or or in some cases, maybe it kind of opened that Pandora's box to where the media has to tell you that, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man is, uh, you know, an African-American kid before, you know, you actually read about it in a comic book, you know, where it's like part of the whole publicity machine and everything. So anything that's kind of a new twist or something, uh, you know, that they can find as, as kind of a selling point, you know, any kind of shocking reveal, you know, secret, you know, they'll, they'll kind of try to slip that in to, to the news media before it even actually ends up in the, you know, the public's hands so that they, they're, they're informed that it's a hype so they can go out and buy it or whatever. But I, I don't think Thunderbolts was certainly as hyped as things get now, but it, it definitely did have a, you know, a very interesting hook that, you know, kept me interested, at least for, you know, probably the year or so that I, I read the original book. But, um, you know, just turning it over to all you guys. I mean, Mike's the biggest Thunderbolts fan here, I'd say. So I'm, I'm kind of interested into how he kind of came across Thunderbolts and, and where it all started for him. Well, first of all, like, the, some of the first, like, Avengers comics I had were from, like, the Under Siege-like storyline, so I was already kind of familiar with, like, Baron Zemo and most of the characters who appear in Thunderbolts. But, like, when I first read those issues, I was kind of like, like, you know, the X-Men cartoon had just, like, come out on Fox, and I liked that, and I was like, oh, so these are, like, the Avengers, and, like, I was kind of like, ah, I'm not too thrilled about these guys, and uh, I don't know, like, these guys don't seem, like, these villains, like, who are these, like, lamos and stuff, like, oh, they're all, like, weird looking, like, who's this Baron Zemo chump, you know, like, uh, he he couldn't hold a candle to, like, Magneto and Apocalypse and stuff, so, you know, I was kind of, like, you know, stupid. (laughs) I was, like, I was a kid and stupid back then. Stupid You're like, you're like, yeah. Strife is the man. Who's this Baron <laughs> Zemo? It's like, show? look at this Baron Zemo guy. He doesn't even have any sharp points on his costume. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How is he going to hurt anyone? But no, uh, yeah, but so like I kind of put it out of my mind, and you know, for a long time I didn't like give it another thought. So like, fast forward to like nineteen, yeah, like nineteen ninety seven. I'm in a comic book store, like, I'm buying, like, my X-Men and Spider-Man and maybe some, like, Transformers, like, back issues and stuff, and, like, the guy behind the counter is like, hey, kid, you look like an easy mark, here, buy this comic, too, and, like, he gave me Thunderbolts, like, number one, and I was like, well, why would I buy this, and he was like, no, it's pretty cool, kid, you like, you like X-Men, you like, you know, superhero teams, you'll like this one, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess so, like, put it, put it in with my, you know, stuff, 
So I bought it and I read it and I I was like I read the the twist and I was like oh cool. like I was like oh I know these guys and I was like and, and, and like all of a sudden now they're cool like you know because like this was cool like I was like oh they're trying to be good guys and stuff but they're really like bad guys I was like wow that's a good idea so then like the next time I went back to that store I tried to find like all the issues that had been released to that point and I think they were only like on issue seven or something so from from like that point or so I I read the book until about like issue 30 and then i kind of gave up on comics like altogether uh for like i don't know like three or four or five years after that and um i eventually got back into comics and you know uh but the next time i looked at thunderbolts like new thunderbolts had just like launched and i was like oh cool like you know the, the classic thunderbolts and stuff like i remember most of these guys like atlas and mock you know whatever he was at at that point songbird and i was like man i really liked the, that comic i should really like you know catch up on it so like i had to like look on the internet and figure out what i was missing and then like for one summer uh, I pretty much went to every comic store I could find and, like, pretty much, like, cleaned them out of Thunderbolts, like, back issues and stuff. And then, like, all the rest I had to order online and whatnot. And, like, finally, like, I, I, I completed, like, the entire run. And then, like, I jumped onto new Thunderbolts, too. And then I haven't stopped reading them since, pretty much. And, like, even into this new... Well, I, I, I should say, I, I, I'm still reading the book that has the original numbering, which is now called Dark Avengers. But, uh, like, uh, this new Thunderbolts book that just was released, like, I haven't bought. And, you know, well, I, I'm sure we'll get into that later. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm a pretty massive Thunderbolts fan, yeah. And, of course, uh, I had read, like, by that point... By the time Hawkeye had, like, became the leader of the team, I had read a bunch of, like, West Coast of Avengers and stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, Hawkeye's the man. And Thunderbolts also, like, uh, helped make Hawkeye, like, probably one of my favorite comic book characters, too. So Avengers, Defenders, Thunderbolts, I make any team better. I think between those two teams, it's cool to see him, you know, especially because I think it seems like some writers forget, like, that he led two pretty prominent superhero teams being, you know, the West Coast Avengers and, and the Thunderbolts, you know, and sometimes people are just like, oh, he, I don't know, it just seems like the way he's written, sometimes he's just written as a, you know, ancillary kind of goofball who, who doesn't have that experience, like he somehow went back to hot rod mode after being, uh, <laughs> you know, Rodimus Prime for a while, you know, and you're kind of like, hey, did you guys forget that he, like, led, you know, a team for, you know... 15 years or whatever you know what i mean like you're just kind of like oh yeah yeah they just kind of blithely ignore it because it doesn't kind of fit their team dynamic or something like that i was gonna say like i i for the most part i enjoyed uh, rick remender's run on secret avengers but it opens up with like one of those like point one issues where like captain america and hawkeye like go on like some like infiltration mission and it turns out like captain america is kind of like testing him as like for leadership capability and i'm kind of like hawkeye doesn't really need to be tested for being like a leader or whatever you know and like i i guess i kind of rationalized it as like you know okay well he hasn't led like really a kind of like this kind of like military like covert ops team or anything but still i was kind of like well man you don't have to like you know phrase it like hawkeye's never led a team or something yeah well, I, I, th I think the thing is though is like for some reason marvel with their weird continuity like uh memory 
they the, always the sliding time scale. It yeah, slid away they always from remember Hawkeye's like thirty abilities. Well, not only that, but they always remember like thirty years ago when he was a bad guy for like two issues when he first debuted. You know, and they're like, you know, I don't know if we could trust him to do this. It's like he's been doing this for like thirty years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he hasn't been evil for a while. <laughs> yeah, or he hasn't been green for a while. Yeah, either. yeah, you know. But like Derek said, he, he gets kind of shoved back into hot rod mode every so often. Yeah, but yeah. What What about you, Justin? Like, do you have a, a different angle on on how you came to know about Thunderbolts? Like, do you want to share that with the class? My uh, origin is similar to yours, Derek, but um, somehow the Wizard thing wasn't spoiled for me. And like, I had a subscription to Wizard at the time. Um, I was reading Peter David's run on Hulk, and like that's where I first encountered them because they showed up and they fought the Hulk, and then it was yeah, like, yeah. "Be sure to follow these adventures of the Thunderbolts and they're ongoing number one." I was like, "Okay, well, I'll, I'll do that." And I remember reading the that issue and like getting to the final page. I'm like, "What? These are the guys who like beat up Jarvis and you know did all that terrible stuff? Like they have their own book? Like this is crazy." But I'm going to read it, and I read it for like I don't know, like maybe two years, and then. Like, at that time, I could only get comics from, like, grocery stores and, like, the Riot Aid or whatever. So, like, wherever I was getting it, like, they stopped getting it. So that pretty much ended me, like, keeping up with Thunderbolts until, like, I was old enough to, like, drive myself to a comic book store. I think I think that's interesting because both you and Mike seem to really want to stick with the book. And the only reason why maybe you stopped buying it were, I, I'd say you know, sort of forces outside of your control in a way, you know, like Mike kind of lost interest in comics in general, you know, for whatever reasons, and, and you, you're just saying, well, you only could get the comics at certain venues, and the venues eventually didn't stock them or whatever. Like, for me, like, I was pretty, you know, I, I, I was in college by that point, so it didn't, you know, it wasn't like I didn't have a car, it wasn't like, you know, I I couldn't get whatever I wanted to. But, I mean, for me, I'd say my track record is I probably read, like, the first maybe year and a half of Thunderbolts. But I think once once they did that big showdown with uh, the Avengers, like, after that, I felt like it really, you know, to me, like, I, I felt like that was the big climax. You know, that's what I was reading the book for. And then once, 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 once their secret had been revealed, you know, like once they kind of went public and everybody knew and you weren't, you know, you as a reader weren't in on the secret, which obviously, you know, they couldn't sustain it for, you know, indefinitely. But I think after that point, it was kind of like my interest in it slowly kind of faded to where I didn't follow the book probably after issue, you know, I don't know, 16 or 17 or something like that. Because after that, I was kind of like, oh, now it's about Jolt and all these other guys who want to be heroes. And I was kind of like, before, the hook was kind of like, oh, they're all bad guys pretending to be heroes. And that was always a much more, to me, was always a much more interesting hook, you know, which is why I kind of was reading the book in the first place. But uh, I, I think that's kind of interesting, though, because you guys seem very, you know, loyal to the whole idea and concept of it, even after, you know, the sort of original hook had played out to completion, you know? But um, I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that or not. Like, uh, another aspect I enjoyed was, like, at the time I was, like, going back and, like, kind of, like, catching up on, like, you know, back issues of, like, Fantastic Four or Avengers and stuff. And, like, I always appreciated, the, like, you would see, like, all kinds of, like, 
maybe forgotten characters or concepts. I'm like, oh, they're going to go to like Counter Earth. Like that's where uh, Warlock's from. Like this is going to be cool. Like maybe Warlock will show up or the Animal Man or you know you'd see like a bunch of like Mort villains who would be like the other Masters of Evil that like the Clim- the Crimson Cloak you know brought up and they fought. I'm like I remember this guy like he was like some limo and like Avengers like 147 or something. Like I always appreciate like that you know, sense of, like, history and, like, pulling things back together. Well, I think the thing was, like, Thunderbolts, due to the fact that it was, like, the Masters of Evil, they kind of had that built-in history of the Avengers history, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, that, that, that reading Thunderbolts, definitely, like, after, like, I was reading Thunderbolts, I was like, oh, well, I gotta pick, like, you know, Busick's Avengers up, too, now, and I gotta pick up his Iron Man, and that kind of, like, you know, put pushed me into other things too. So. Kind of snowballed your your interests yeah. into other other arenas, I guess. Yeah. What about you, Brian? Like what what was the first time you encountered Thunderbolts? I mean, do you have a different take on it from the rest of us? Are there are things you want to go over or anything or Yeah, um actually unlike you guys, my first real main exposure to um Thunderbolts was when I joined Fanholes and Mike talked about it all the time. Um, before then, I, I <laughs> if, if it helps, Mike reads New Warriors religiously now. So. <laughs> yeah, the Thunderbolts had a longer run. Um, like before, I was on the show. Probably the only one I could name by like seeing him would uh, maybe be Citizen V, and you know that's iffy. But um, I guess the main reason for that is just like when it was coming out was right when I was getting out of comics, you know. Like I remember one of the last comics that I bought and read like as a teenager because this was right around like 97, I think. And I was like 17, 18, almost graduating high school, whatever. So life was moving on for me. But one of the last issues I remember buying and reading was like, you know, the heroes versus Onslaught and them taking them down and then. You know, I saw the previews for, like, all the Heroes Reborn stuff, and I don't know. It just was, like, that time when I was getting out of comics. So it it just ended up being that that was the time that Thunderbolts came into existence and really got going, so I missed out on it. Um, But this week, as I've been, you know, prepping for the show, I've been rereading the old issues especially, and I I really like what I've read so far. Um, You know, as I've stated on the show before, the reason I like New Warriors so much is because I like that whole, like, getting in on the ground floor of a team being created and seeing them, you know, work through the kinks of teamwork and stuff. Um, in this case, like, Baron Zemo, you know, knows his crap, and he seems to be, you know, pretty much knows what to do as a leader, but, you know, uh, all the people under him don't always want to follow his orders and stuff. So yeah. that that caused some conflicts, and that was something that was really interesting to me. And also, you know, the the Mark Bagley artwork didn't hurt anything. I, I uh, always enjoy his art, so... Um, I, I guess I want to thank Mike for exposing me to it because what I've read so far, I've really enjoyed. Yeah, Mark Bagley was like on the book until like almost like issue fifty or so. Yeah, so, so he, he stayed on even after Kurt Busiek left and uh, Fabian uh, Nazina took over. So that's he had a pretty long run on the whole title. Yeah, like Mark Bagley, like you got in on him like on Spider-Man and like New Warriors. Well, like similar to. Like, basically, I was, like, Spider-Man and Thunderbolts, yeah, for Mark Bagley, so that's, like, where I I like him from, basically, so. Cool. One thing that confused me is, like, there's a, I mean, and this could be just my really bad memory, but there's, a, like, a panel shot of, like, Spider-Man talking about the Thunderbolts, and he's in his, like, classic costume, and I was thinking, like, at that time period, wasn't he in the, like, redesigned, 
like you know Ben Riley Spider-Man costume. I, I Am I totally Riley wrong on that? I think Ben Riley was two thousands, wasn't he? Okay. No, no, I think. I, I think I Brown's right, like because because I, mean. I I remember during the whole onslaught thing, he had that yeah that outfit. Like there there were there were some issues I think where him and and uh, I think he goes to the Statue of Liberty because he's all sad because he can't he can't meet up with the Human Torch anymore because that was like their hangout spot to mm-hmm. like talk about shit sometimes. And like I, I remember him being in the Ben Riley outfit. Yeah, ben. Ben Riley died around the time like Thunderbolts was on its like fourth issue, maybe third or fourth issue. Okay. So yeah, there there was probably a like transi- transitionary period, like sort of like current day, where you're not sure if it's like Peter Parker or or <laughs> Superior Spider-Man, and, yeah, like, Avengers yeah. or whatever. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah. Superior Spider-Man be like, I would have killed all those fuckers with my eight arms if I still had them. No, because no, I, I see, I remember, because the Onslaught tie-in issue of Peter Parker, Spider-Man, was number 72, which was three issues away from 75, yeah, which, which is, is where, where Ben Riley died, so, yeah, he, yeah so Ben Riley probably was right at that point where the Thunderbolts launched, so. Okay. Yeah, so you could be like, oh, I'd be reading issue one, and it'd be the Ben Riley costume, but then by the time you're reading, like, issue five or six... Spider-Man status quo had kind of returned to normal again, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I was just going to ask, like, this is a question for anybody that that wants to answer it or whatever. But um, like, w- what do you think of the various incarnations of Thunderbolts over the years? I mean, some people may have answers to this because they, you know, have lots of different, you know, experience reading the title, and you know, maybe some others less so because they, you know, have only read, you know limited amounts of the the comics, but, um, I, you know, I'm just thinking of, you know, you've got your main, you know, original team, which, were, you know, basically were the Masters of Evil led by Baron Zemo, so you've got, you know, Citizen V and Songbird and, you know, uh, Mach 5 and Fixer or Techno and Atlas and Songbird and, you know, Moonstone and all those people. But, um, you know, then, you know, over the years, you know, the iterations have changed. Like, you know, Mike mentioned at some point, you know, Hawkeye was leading the team. You know, you've had people like Jolt as the, you know, sort of Jubilee-esque, you know, new member to the, to, to the team. You know, you've got, uh, you know, different incarnations later on where you talk about, like, the new Thunderbolts and, you know, the Osborne years of the Thunderbolts. And then, I guess more recently, you know, you've had the, the Luke Cage era of Thunderbolts and, you know, these new Dark Avengers Thunderbolts and so on. And then, you know, furthermore, I guess, you know, what Mike was talking about, we've now got the Marvel Now you know, Thunderbolt Ross, Thunderbolts, you know, so you've got all these different incarnations. I mean, you know, I just thought maybe this could be a good open forum to discuss any of those versions, whether you, you know, love them or hate them or whatever. We could we could talk about different eras of uh, Thunderbolts over the years. Well, um, actually, I, I would love to chime in on this one really quick. Um, I, I actually did read the Thunderbolts from the first issue of the original series, and, and kind of like Justin, I uh, read eh, probably about, you know, 20, 24 issues or so. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good comic. I, I really don't know if I would say it was one of my favorites, but I enjoyed the characterization and stuff. And like Brian, you know, or like Mike, at a certain point I kind of got out of comics and I wasn't reading them as much. And then I remember the Civil War thing happening. And yet and a lot of people don't really remember this era, I guess. 
but there was a time when the Avengers and, like, the mainstream Marvel Universe was shit. It was all X-Men. If you didn't have an X-Book, you were nothing. You sucked ass. And then I really do credit Civil War, and then following that, the uh, the movies featuring Iron Man and Captain America, Thor, and the Avengers, all that good stuff, really bringing um, the Avengers back to the forefront of, like, you know, the whole Marvel Universe. And I remember, like, seeing, like, you know, solicitations after Civil War was over, and even though I was not the hugest fan of Thunderbolts, I thought it was a good comic, I had no problem with it. The whole idea that Norman Osborn took it over, and he was like, Okay, a couple of you guys can stay, but I'm also going to, like, you know, introduce, like, these incredibly psychopathic villains who are under mind control to be heroes, quote-unquote. I just thought that kind of went against the whole idea of the series. And not even reading it, it just turned me off. And also, Speedball being a fucking, you know, I'm going to cut myself because I hurt my friends. That shit was annoying. And... Yeah, and we've all said Penance has weird characterization. Sometimes he's actually tolerable. Sometimes he's just like, shoot this fucker in the head, please. But, you know, I, I just didn't like the whole idea that, like, after Civil War, you know, the whole idea of Thunderbolts, again, like I said, me and, me and Mike were kind of, you know, chatting about this before we started uh, broadcasting. Is like, it should have been, it, it was basically guys who were either A, trying to actually reform and be good guys because they realized being a villain wasn't working for them, or people like Moonstone who are like, I'm still a fucking villain, but I'm just going to use this shit to pull the wool over everybody's eyes, you know? They had their own agenda instead of just like, me bad, me good now, Norman say go kill, I don't know, Armadillo, fuck it, let's do it, you know? <laughs> I, think, I think in some ways, I mean, for, for me, I think the the turnaround because I guess the original Thunderbolts team, you know, seem to be, you know, I guess villains undercover as heroes, and then you know, and then later in the series you had the whole redemption aspect of it, which I don't know that I was ever that interested in it, but I I could understand that that would be someone's basis for what a Thunderbolt is, you know, a you know a, a Marvel villain who's trying to redeem themselves as a hero, whereas if you include guys like the Green Goblin and Venom, you know, they, they, that doesn't really apply to them. It becomes more of a kind of Suicide Squad type setup, you know, in that essence where you've got, you know, e either you've got a bunch of villains that are, you know, kind of making deals, back-end deals, and if they, you know, survive doing a bunch of these missions, then they kind of get their jail time, their sentences, you know, limited or lowered and that kind of stuff, which I, I don't mind that setup so much. You know, I, I'm not like super annoyed with it or anything. I thought, I thought it, you know, for the most part, I thought it made for some interesting stories and stuff like that and led into some interesting things. Um, you know, but, but at the same time, like depending on the characterization that they had in the titles, like in their own titles, they seem to have a certain level of characterization, which may or may not have been carried over from the previous, like, New Thunderbolts book. I know we've talked a lot about, you know, uh, the uh, Radioactive Man, you know, and how, you know, him in New Thunderbolts is written kind of differently from him in, you know, the Warren Ellis run, you know? It's like he seems more kind of like a little more bloodthirsty or kind of, I don't know, it seems like whatever character growth he had in the 
the new yeah. Thunderbolts title I, kind I, of I told my vanished. Kid, one of my favorite characters in the original run, and yeah. You know, like like that. It seemed to be if it if it didn't if it didn't disappear, it at least became stagnant. You know, um, and then you know you've got other situations where you know you've got, I guess the like something that Mike's fond of bringing up a lot is that you've got all these uh, different guest appearances in various books, and in that case, it seemed like you know. You know, Mike's kind of fond of saying that the Thunderbolts were always painted as the man in like that post Civil War initiative era of Marvel Comics, where every time the Thunderbolts showed up, they'd be like, "You guys aren't registered. We hate your guts. We're bringing you in." And you know, depending on who says that, you're like, "Well, if it's Venom, then you're kind of like, well, Venom's an asshole, so you don't really have much of a problem with him sort of abusing his position of power." But when it's like somebody like Songbird, you're kind of like, well, shouldn't she be a little more conflicted? Shouldn't she, you know, have a little more layers other than she, yeah, she had like a know, huge redemption arc, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, sometimes it was just like Songbird's like, we're taking you in, grr, you know, and you're just kind of like, well, wait a minute, you know. So I guess you know that's you know I guess that's something you could pin on different editorials and you know editorial. I, I, I would have been a lot cooler like with that. it if uh, post Civil War. If Norman Osborn took over the team, I probably still would have read it because I wouldn't have enjoyed it, but it would have been more logical to me if the whole fucking team was just villains who he brainwashed. I could have got more on board with that because it would have been more like, okay, the Thunderbolts say, fuck you, we're going to make our own, you know, I don't know, Thunderbolts B-Squad, and Norman has his little lackeys. I thought that would have been more logical instead of, like, people who you like, like you said, like Somber going... I guess we have to follow uh, follow Norman. He's in charge. I understand Civil War, post Civil War, was like a really fucked up time. But it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it should have, could have, would have. You know. Well, I was gonna say like Andy Diggle's run was kind of like that, where they had sort of the Norman Osborn restructured the Thunderbolts into like his like little hit squad and stuff, and it had like Paladin and uh, the Ghost and uh nuke and like mr x on it and stuff and like i was i was prepared to not like that run but uh, i actually enjoyed it a lot and like i was they were sort of building up like songbird like in the background like i thought she was gonna like put together like the old team and like you know take these new thunderbolts on and they kind of did but then like it kind of fizzled out in the end which i was kind of disappointed with it seems seems like it seems like a lot of the uh the crossovers kind of muck with thunderbolts like especially if you look back and read those errors as a whole you know because it's like you once you get up to uh you know, fear itself, or once you get up to, uh, what the fuck was the, that, that, that is the one where, what was the one before fear itself? Secret Invasion, or? No, the, the one with, Siege, Dark Rain? Siege, Siege and Dark Rain, you know, like, like, you go to that era, too, it seemed like, that, that would have been the crossover that fucked up, you know, Songbird going off, and, sort of yeah. making a moral stand and starting her own team. Like, they could have done that if, if they didn't have to participate in this big crossover and, you know, everything came crashing down around, you know, Norman's head or whatever, you know. So it's like, and then, and then you know, it was funny because I, I, I kind of agree with you about the whole Luke Cage era because I was like, oh, you know, this kind of seems like, you know, I, I guess, you know, 
not that I, I've read tons of Power Man and Iron Fist comics, but it seemed more like the guy from Power Man and Iron Fist, like a kind of, you know, moral, you know, cool dude, as opposed to, I don't know, the guy who, like, you know, fucks chicks up the ass and has gold teeth <laughs> and punches, like, cage gold emblems and, you know, basically the Azarello miniseries. It seems like, you know, Bendis probably went, oh, that's really cool, Azarello. I want to use that character. You know, whereas this, you know, the guy in Thunderbolt seems more like if you were a fan of, you know, old school Power Man, like, you, you would probably like him in that book. And the other thing I liked about it as well was they, they definitely acknowledged the fact that they didn't have full access to this character. You know, like, they didn't make any bones about it. It wasn't like every issue you read of Thunderbolts, like, Luke Cage was always there going, boy, I never get any sleep, but it's a good thing I'm leading you guys 24-7. You know, it was always like, where the hell's Cage? It's like, oh, he's off being an Avenger again. Where the hell's Cage? Uh, it's fear itself. He can't actually be in the next three issues. Sweet know? Christmas. I'm playing my yeah. Xbox. Leave me alone so, right now. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I, I kind of appreciated that kind of stuff. But I could see where those... You know, like you said, your your favorite title is mucked with by a crossover because I think I was enjoying that run right up until it got to to fear itself. But I don't know how you felt about that run. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's okay. it's okay. I mean, what do you? I, well, I liked it for the most part. Like uh, Jeff Parker's run, you're talking about. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it for the most part, and like, I, like again, I was kind of fe- feeling like it was kind of like maybe building to something larger than what it ended up as, yeah. but. You know, it just kind of like they made the Thunderbolts like B team again, basically, and then they kind of focused on them going on like their little time travel adventure. Yeah, and yeah, that that I kind of, I mean, it wasn't awful, but it seemed like it sort of strayed from from focus, I guess, because the, the it seemed like the if they were going to focus on the A team, it should be Luke Cage and all these other guys, but then it ended up being like, oh, well, now you can't use Juggernaut, and now you can't use Crossbones, and now you can't use, you know, and he kind of went, oh, well, my A team's been, you know, sort of decimated other than the characters that nobody wants to use, you know, like yeah. in, in other crossovers, you know, so. I, I, I gotta give Parker credit, though, because when I first saw that team, I was like, oh, I don't really like any of those guys, like, so <laughs> much. But then I was like, oh, you know, he made me, like, really like, like, Luke Cage and Juggernaut and Man-Thing and, you know, Crossbones and, you know, the Ghost and, like, all those guys, and I was like, yeah, they're cool, and, like, of course, like, you know, he, he greased the wheels and let, like, Songbird and Mach 5 and, like, Fixer still be in the book, too, so. Yeah. Um, I've actually had a random question that's been kind of brewing in my head since we established we're going to be talking about Thunderbolts. One of the things that kind of sticks in my craw, I guess, does Thunderbolts, uh, especially like Mike or, I mean, anybody, any one of you guys probably know more about it than I do, um, does it seem to be one of those books where it's really popular with the fans? Like, there's, there's a definitely core contingent of people who enjoy reading this book and enjoy the characters but Marvel's like hold on we can make it fucking better and it just doesn't sell quite enough and they just want to keep like doing like not hard reboots but these soft reboots where they're like you know check out these characters we're gonna throw some shit in the mix and it's like the thing that keeps you know kind of fucking with Marvel I think is like there's a lot of writers who can actually adjust to that and do good stories even when they have kind of, you know, like, you know, Mike and Derek said, like, shit hands to be dealt with. Yeah, can we talk uh, about the uh, cold red bolts now? 
the, the extreme the, Mountain the, the, Dew the, code the red. Marvel books. Now yeah. Thunderbolts. The, the, yeah, the, sure. The, the, why the, not? The, the first cover that was drenched in like cherry red Kool Aid. Yeah. Um, like I remember when they announced the creative team for like the new Thunderbolts, and Derek and Mike were just like, "Ugh," and you know, me, I was like, I was trying to be hopeful. I was like, "Well, I've never read anything this, you know, this new writer has wrote, so I'll give it a chance." Um, yeah, I, I didn't last very long as a reader of that book. It's just the writing is bad, the art is awful like i just see i don't i don't have any problem with the art like i'll 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 combat you guys on the art i mean mm. steve dylan did preacher he did a lot of good punisher books like i don't have any problem with the art i can understand the criticism about you know maybe he shouldn't be drawn be drawing a superhero book like that's fine but i don't i don't have any problem with the art like i i think daniel way writes a pretty horrible deadpool and like you know that to me it just didn't seem like a good Good match. I mean, I, I read the first couple issues, and like I was kind of like, well, you know, I didn't see what was so bad about it, but I think by the time I got to the third issue where, like, Punisher is, like, taping, duct-taping landmines on his <laughs> chest and jumping in front of people, like, then I was like, okay, and, and, and then you have these uh, faux North Korean dictators that you're supposed to be feeling sad for. I'm just kind of like, you know what, I, this book lost me at that, like... So I was like completely like, all right, yeah, this book is pretty stupid, you know. But I, I was willing to come to it with an open mind at least. And the first two issues didn't seem that, you know, I, I was willing to go along with it for a bit. But I, I think it got more a little, a little too. It's like Steve Dillon's art is. Uh, was is, it too extreme? No, it, it's just it's too ridiculous. It's like it's like you can't. It's very strange. It's like you've got an artist who who specializes in, uh, you know, I, I I don't know what I call it, but he has a very real world vibe to it. So it works on a character like Punisher, where you don't have Punisher fighting against a bunch of supernatural or you know super powered threats. It's like if it's Punisher versus Barracuda or Punisher versus Jigsaw or ninjas or you know drug dealers or whatever, I think his art style works very well. And if this was just going to be a bunch of them going out and doing black ops, well, then that would be fine. But instead, it's all this, like, intelligentsia, leader, you know, kooky-ass bullshit mixed with, you know, this kind of, uh, you know current day uh black ops era you know wartime intelligence stuff where Call it's just kind of this duty black ops too yeah. yeah it's just it's just this mishmash of kind of genre mashup that that seems a little odd and then of course you're going to get to that point where the punisher looks ridiculous yeah well well i mean so. like like you said dylan is like you know his most famous work probably preacher and like he draws like more or less normal people, you know, they're fat, they're ugly, they're normal, they're pretty, they're not pretty, you know, I mean, like, he goes with the whole gamut, and usually in comics, you know, honestly, nine times out of ten, everybody's built like a Greek god, and all the women, you know, don't have spines, I mean, I know he doesn't draw that way, but that's what is is expected, so that that is a really weird choice. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I personally do not like Steve Dillon's art, but I see, like, I think more than anything, he's miscast on a book like this. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's completely fair criticism. I mean, I... he's He's a vertigo guy. I mean, he really is. I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm not saying, like, you know, that's all I can draw. No, 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 no. I don't take it in a bad way. I just think, I, I, to me, I just, 
I don't think his art is bad, but I agree with what Mike's saying that that you know this is the, he, it was the wrong choice for a uh, creative team, you know. Okay. Can I can I talk about this book a little? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you guys. It's my turn. Everybody level the playing field. The shit's about to hit the fan. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I'm not. I'm not like I don't have anything like super like you know ranty to rant about. But uh, just a couple problems like uh, beyond the obvious. But like uh, um, I basically think like this book. Like me and a friend were discussing it, and it, it's kind of it reminds me of Uncanny X Force, like the first like Remender's first run where you take you know a, a name brand like, five popular characters, and you put them in a book where they, like, their stated purpose is to, like, kill people, basically. And, like, I don't know, it does. It didn't work so well for me. And, like, this this time around, it just feels like, I don't, the first time with the Uncanny X-Force, I was like, okay, okay, okay you, know, you know, I'll go I'll go around uh, along with this. But this, this time, I'm just like, okay, well, now I've seen the formula already, and I, uh, you know, it's it's old hat to me now. Is, is, and is like the idea that, like, okay, we have five or six characters who like to kill each other. They have no reason to be together. But since they like to kill people, then we're going to put them together. <laughs> They're lethal protectors. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but okay. And the second, like the second thing is, back in like 1997 when the Thunderbolts were first like released, you know, the very first Thunderbolts issue had not yet come out. People in like Wizard magazine were like speculating, like, oh, it's got to have something to do with like Thunderbolt Ross because it's like the Thunderbolts, you know. And like I was like, okay, if the fans thought of it, usually nine times out of ten, it's a bad idea. So like you know, and then I hear like, oh, Jeff Loeb like was in the room and he was like, why don't we have Thunderbolt Ross lead the Thunderbolts? And I'm like, okay, so you came up with an idea the fans had like more than ten years ago. Yeah, okay. So like, I think I wouldn't. Ha- I would have less of a problem with this book if it was just called Code Red, and you know, like they then it, I wouldn't have to have it like you know, Sully the Thunderbolts. <laughs> Next name, issue, seem new to Titan dyes his hair at Hot Topic, and he's new leader of the Thunderbolts. That's another thing that kind of like irritates me. Like, why is it called Thunderbolts? You could call it Code Red. You could call it Marvel Black Ops. You could call it Defenders, and it wouldn't matter at all. I mean, it's yeah, just like exactly. a rebranding for no reason. It's not, a, exactly. it's not a Thunderbolts comic, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, the other point I wanted to bring up was, well, the character, like, mix-up, the character, like, the, the characters in the mix, I should say, um, like, okay, Rolk is stupid, obviously. <laughs> oh, he yeah. has a razor mustache. Okay. Yeah, may, maybe, you know, I'm sure Jeff Barker's done good things with Red in his own book and whatever, but, and, you know, I, I he actually totally has. I actually did enjoy him, like, in the Circle of Four, like, crossover with Venom and stuff. Like, I thought he was cool in that. But, uh, like, I don't know. Daniel Way, I think, writes a totally unfunny Deadpool. Like, a totally, like, unfunny, like, stagnant, like... Like he, I think Daniel Way's totally like damaged Deadpool forever. Like he's, he, that, he's that's one of the biggest problems with Deadpool is he is not a bad character when people know how to write him. He is actually not Spider Man who's just funny if you know how to write him, and that is just one of the biggest travesties. He should be a pop culture jerk, and I agree with you a hundred percent. 
I thought like when Daniel Way first took over Deadpool with that with his current series, like I thought like Deadpool like almost ceased to have character development after that point, and like that's why I kind of like Uncanny X Force because I thought Deadpool actually like had some character development and like kind of went on a journey in that series, but like. Now he's just, you know, crazy, wacky guy that you just stick on any team, and he's funny, and he kills mimes. Ha, 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 that's so funny, you know. People buy his figures, yay. Exactly, so, like, okay, there's that. And then, um, what do you call, Flash Thompson Venom. Um, Like, I I really, like, started off really liking, you know, as we, we already talked about Venom on this podcast, and, like, I really like Flash Thompson, and I like, you know, I really bought into the concept. And, like... The Flash Thompson in this book is, like, totally counter to the way Flash Thompson is being, like, written in his own book right now. Because in his own book right now, like, he's like he's moved to, out of New York to Philadelphia, and he's kind of like, well, the Avengers, like, he's left the secret Avengers, and he's kind of like, you know, well, the Avengers now trust me on my own, so, you know, I'm going to try and be, like, a real superhero. Like, I'm going to try and, like, not, you know, kill people and, you know, try and keep, like, the, the streets safe of, on Philadelphia. So, of course, on the side, then, apparently, he has, like, this, stu- this like, job where he's on a hit squad. <laughs> so it's like, how do you reconcile that, basically? I could do this on the weekends and kill people, and I still feel good about myself. Yeah, it's like the, there's well, no but kind then, of. Then again, you're like, well, is does the Rolk still uh, hold his card carrying Avengers membership as well? Like, you're like, how do you, you know? It's like obvious. I don't know. To me, I'm just kind of like, if I was going to just go along with it, I'd say, well, all this crap is on the down low, and I understand why you don't want to reconcile both those things, but I'm sure there's other things that aren't reconcilable within that book. I think they just don't care. I mean, it's like Deadpool, you know, shouldn't have yellow dialogue boxes and all this other bull crap, which are basically the yellow dialogue box is like the fucking bone claws for Wolverine to me. Like, that, it's just something that is going to stick with the character forever and totally, like, sort of ruins him and, you know, gives him, like, little bits of death. But, um... You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what don't to know. say other than, like, I, I was trying to keep an open mind when I read the first two issues of that, but uh, it, it it definitely kind of lost me by the time I got to the third issue. Yeah, it's, it's much funnier when Deadpool talks to the fourth wall, and nobody knows what the fuck is going on, and he thinks he's a comic character. Kind of like She-Hulk. He's not a comic book character in that universe. He just thinks he is. That's funny, but when he actually talks to the comic audience with these little yellow boxes. Well, like, the yellow box is like a split. It's almost like he's got two different personalities. So he'll sit there and hold these conversations with himself, and it's just writers, like, I don't know, thinking they're they're witty, like, amused yeah, by that, yeah, that's what I'm saying, own like, conversations would, or something. Yeah, he would used to, like, just yell out stuff at the fourth wall, which is a lot more entertaining because you're fighting this guy and he's yelling at nothing, and you're like, yeah, that guy's fucking crazy, but when he actually talks to himself and he answers himself, and it's all these little clever in-jokes, it's not nearly as entertaining. It's kind of a misread of the character to, like, say he has, like, multiple personalities or something, you know? That's, uh, I've always said that. I've Like, Daniel Way does not understand what made this character funny. But, 
you know, whatever. I guess that's, you know, he's got a video game written by Daniel Way coming out where I guess that, that, that uh, portrayal of the character is going to be cemented in people's minds. Yeah, so it's like, one, but that's the thing. Like, once stuff like that comes out, then there, it's like there's no going back. It's like once once Arkham City comes out and Harley Quinn has pigtails, you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> you can't you can't come back from that, you know? Like, it's like a lot of things from... It seems like a lot of things that were popular in Arkham City got carried over into the regular Batman comics, and I'm sure, you know, if if that you know the yellow dialogue box wasn't already cemented in people's minds from like the the what the five Deadpool books they released in like 2008 or whatever, you know, I'm sure uh, I'm sure it will be after this video game comes out. So, actually, uh, Brian, I was, I was kind of curious. You've been rather quiet during the uh, Code Red thing. Um, I, I haven't read it myself. I know Mike has. Uh, I think Derek has. Probably Justin has too. I haven't read it. What do you think of at least? I mean, the cover itself just pissed me off. What do you think about it? Uh, I haven't read it nor seen the cover. Oh, you look at the cover. <laughs> You'll not be happy if you like Thunderbolts. You'll. You'll. Hey, you're better off not knowing, Brian. Yeah, okay. probably. Yeah. Brian is blissfully ignorant of uh, Code Red Thunderbolts or whatever, the Mountain Dew Thunderbolts. I just, before we move on or whatever, I, there's just two, like, funny things I want to, like, mention, like, from in general, from, like, the world of Thunderbolts and stuff. And one one is to do with, like, the Andy Diggle run when it was, like, Norman Osborn's, like, hit squad and stuff. And, like, uh, like <laughs> I remember, like, you, Derek, you were saying, like, you loved like, the issue where, like, Quicksilver beat the shit out of Mr. X and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, Mr. X kind of got his ass handed to him, like, on a regular basis in that book, pretty much. Yay. And, like, and, and, like I remember Mr. asking, yeah, when they first announced that team, I, I, I remember asking you, like, who the hell is this guy? Like, and you're like, oh, he's some, like, clown-ass, like, Wolverine villain. <laughs> So, like, of course, that, like, completely, like, colored my perception of him for the entire run. And, like, every time he got his ass kicked, I was like, yeah, like, ah, that's <laughs> So, like, the funny thing is, like, I read, I remember, I distinctly remember one, like, sec, like, the uh, uh, installment of, like, the buy pile of resources. Where, like, it, it, that Thunderbolts, I made it into, like, the bad, like, segment, and the reason why it was, like, like, Mr. X takes a beating from, like, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Like, how can anyone take the character of Mr. X seriously anymore after this? And I'm like, oh, yes, you're tarnishing the good name of Mr. <laughs> X. <laughs> yeah, because it was such a good name to begin with. For, so, for yeah. all, all 200,000 Wolverine fanboys, you know? Yeah, so that that always like cracked me up and stuff, and yeah, but um, and then then the other thing is the thing I always like to bring up, and I think it's like an issue like Thunderbolts like twenty two or twenty three is, um, they're having a dis like it's just when Hawkeye's like join the team and they're having a discussion like about like uh, when it's acceptable like for heroes to kill and stuff and like. Moonstone kind of brings up to, like, Hawkeye. She's like, well, you know, you've got guys like Wolverine and Paladin, and, you know, they kill, and no one says a word. And, you know, and Hawkeye's like, well, you won't see Wolverine or Paladin either being an Avenger or a Thunderbolt. And, and like, you fast forward, like, a decade and a half later, and Paladin's been a Thunderbolt, and Wolverine's an Avenger. So, like, I always love that panel, because I, I want to bring it up so often. 
Yeah, like first issue, like the new Avengers. We need Wolverine. Why? Because he, he kills people. They're like, I don't think it's a good idea. Tony Stark's like, yeah, it is. Hell yeah. Yeah, it is. You need Wolverine because he sells comic books, um, yep. basically. But yeah, so um, so anyway, I guess I, unless anybody has any, uh, like Justin or Tony or Brian, anybody has any parting words on Thunderbolts, I'm going to move us over into the uh, awesome thing of the week segment. Uh, only parting word I have to say is uh, don't be discouraged by some of the later shit. Read Thunderbolts. I agree. It is The, the early run, I really liked. That's all I got to say. I really like Jeff Parker's run. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, um, if if someone else doesn't do it, if I ever write Avengers, I'm gonna make Songbird an Avenger. So like if anyone any official comic book writers hear this, you can do that too. But like if you don't do it by the time that I may eventually be a comic book writer, I'll do it. <laughs> nice. Songbird will be an Avenger. Yes, oh yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go to bat for for some of Jeff Parker's stuff. I think if uh, people out there like things like uh, you know if they're fans of DC and they like you know Ostrander's Suicide Squad and stuff like that, I'm not gonna say it's as good, but I'm saying it has a good kind of vibe uh, that's very similar. So I think people might get a kick if you like villains going out doing you know ops and and trying to do missions and stuff like that. I think you'd like uh, the Parker Thunderbolts run as well. Um, but wait, we didn't talk about those Fight Club issues. What? <laughs> you mean that Next issue time that, on Fan Holes? I'm like, I've never, I've never actually read the Fight Club issues, to be perfectly honest. They are comics for real men. Oh, okay. Awesome. It, it says that on the covers of them. Perhaps, perhaps I'm a little boy, and this little boy will go into what is awesome in the Fan Holes world this week. Is there a stud here besides me? So uh, I guess I'll just go down my, my Skype list here from left to right. But, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you guys don't already know who are listening, uh, awesome thing of the week, uh, fan holes just go into some cool thing that they watched, read, saw, you know, heard about uh, on the particular week. And uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and start off with Justin and ask him what's awesome in his world this week. Um, I've been watching this new TV show on FX called The Americans, and um, it's basically it's about a group of uh, Russian spies who are like a deep cover. They've infiltrated like you know American society, and they're basically living over here as an American family. It's like it's set in like 1981. Like the most recent episode dealt with like um, the assassination attempt on uh, Ronald Reagan. So that kind of gives you like a good time frame, and it's like they they take orders from their superiors, and they have to like, you know, just like set up information drops and like try and like infiltrate, you know, uh, somebody's house in the government and like put a wire in the clock or whatever. And uh, it's just really it's really good. Like I like the '80s atmosphere of it, and because um, like that's an interesting time in like American history, especially because it's just, like. The Cold War and everything like that, but uh, it, it's a really good show. Like I like Cloak and Dagger stuff like that. So if if you like, you know, kind of a history or any kind of like Cloak and Dagger spy stuff, like you'll probably enjoy The Americans. I'm just going to go on record as stating that uh, anytime you refer to 1981 as history, it makes me sad because that means <laughs> I'm old. So anyway, I don't, I don't consider I don't consider anything pre I don't consider anything post 1977 
history because I lived I'm through it. I'm taking my diabetes medicine right now. <laughs> Brimley Bot uh, 2000. Awesome. <laughs> Brimley Bot. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. All right, Mike, uh, you're up. What's your awesome thing this week? Um, my awesome thing is uh, I got uh, Gundam Extreme Versus for PlayStation 2, which is like an import uh, title from Japan. Uh, it just went like, it's it was out in like 2010, so now it's like cheap and, you know, it usually probably would have like been like 80 bucks to import back then, but now it's only like 40 bucks, so that's like a, that's a good price for it, but I've been playing it and like I always dug the game of Virtual On, and this is basically Virtual On with Gundams in it, so, you know, I'm having fun. Uh, just, you know, doing all cool crap with, you know, Gundams and stuff. And there's some things, like, it's got a kind of steep learning curve. Like, I had to figure out a bunch of new buttons, and, like, it's sort of, like, it's one of those games that's not very intuitive, like, when you're trying to figure it out. But in my experience, like, no Gundam game has ever been, like, really super intuitive or anything. So I guess it was kind of, like, familiar like that. And, uh, but, like, I, I'm having fun with it, and I guess my only other complaint is, like, the AI is, like, you know, your enemy AI is, like, they're they're kicking your ass, but, like, your, your friend AI is, like, a dumbass, and, like, you know, you're getting, like, totally destroyed by two guys at once, and your, your friend... Yeah, your friend is, like, skating around, like, randomly in the background doing nothing to help you, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing, man? That, that kind of uh, reminds me of uh, Storm in uh, Ultimate Alliance or X-Men uh, Legends or whatever, you know? You're trying to do a, a squad of four, you know, and you're like, come on, Storm, stop, stop hovering over there, throwing, like, wind blasts into the crate and just follow us, goddammit. Yeah, like, exactly. Will you quit masturbating in the corner thinking about T'Challa? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's but like no, she was case. she was totally thinking about Forge, Tony. She was totally oh, thinking yeah, about yeah. Forge. That was a hot romance for her. For her. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look out. <laughs> okay, yeah, but yeah, in any case, uh, I really dig it, and uh, um, yeah, I know, I know, Derek, you've got it on order, so I yeah. look forward. Yeah, yeah, I might... it sounds like it'll be fun to play together, and then hopefully. Um, you know, if it's anything like the the PSP version is, I look forward to uh, fighting uh, Gundams with J-pop songs in the background and everything. It, exactly. Oh, That's God, always. It. It, it's nice to have like the, the, the like the series like theme song yeah. playing when, when you're kicking ass. Yeah, it sounds fun. Um, all right, so I guess we're on to Tony. Tony, my man, what is your awesome thing of the week? Uh, I have two things, but they're really quick, so don't worry. Um, I bought Ironhide, a uh, Cyberverse figure. Really good figure for such a small guy. I was telling Mike earlier, this should have been the damn classics. He's a pickup truck. He's got good weapons. He's really nicely proportioned, and he looks like fucking Ironhide. Much better than the soccer mom van we got from Classics. So, yeah, that's my first one. My second one was a nice little gem. I unearthed at a family dollar store. We were actually getting some uh, nicely articulated G.I. Joe figures. Uh, the Cobra Trooper was released, um, I think, Pursuit of Cobra. And now we have a Cobra Officer. He's called the Cobra Trooper. And he just comes with one weapon, but he's in all black. He has the silver insignia. He has the AK-47. And he's just a sweet little friggin' figure. And he costs six bucks. 
That's right. Walmart, $12 for a G.I. Joe? Hell no. Go to Family Dollar and get a $6 G.I. Joe. Totally your worth check, the purchase. Your check from Family Dollar is in the mail, Tony. Oh, no, no. I mean, I, it's not even about the fact that I went there. Pinholes, <laughs> sponsored in part by Family Dollar. Family Dollar. Uh, and no, I mean, beer. Hey, hey, you guys got to admit, though, in, in this day and age where we pay, like, $15 for, like, a three-inch figure, six bucks is pretty cool. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was totally down for that. The only thing that's kind of funny is he does come with a figure stand, and he has no name on it. Not Cobra Officer, not Cobra Trooper, nothing. He's just blank. <laughs> I suggest you get you get one of those gold Sharpies and just write Fred on it, and whatever <laughs> whatever Roman numeral your heart desires. You know? Fred, Fred 9. But yeah, he's, he's, he's a pretty sweet figure. I definitely suggest for 6 bucks, you can't go wrong. And also, uh, just throw this out there, you can also get Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes from their really crappy Ninja Battle Actioner uh, era costumes, but with articulation for six bucks. So go ahead and go for that. Is that Ski Mask Snake Eyes? Yes, it is. Oh, awesome. I might have to get him and then take his clothes off and then throw him down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta log off. (laughs) Awesome. Um, I'll I'll go real quick and do my uh, awesome thing. I picked up the uh, Blu-ray for uh, the Battlestar Galactica unrated Blood and Chrome uh, today, actually, and I I sat down and watched it again, the the unrated version, so they say shit and asshole a lot, I think, on the unrated version. If you have have sensitive ears, no, in between all the fracks. And there's boobies. And there's boobies, yeah, you know, so, but, um, you know, so... But um, anyway, you know, I I thought it was a pretty good pilot. Obviously, uh, sci-fi didn't pick it up, probably because it actually was like a real science fiction show, and it would have cost too much money to produce in this uh, crappy-ass economy we're all exerting. only like wrestling on sci-fi network now. Right, right. Well, because wrestling costs peanuts to to shoot and make, so and then they get all the advertiser money, so it's all gravy. But uh, if they actually spent, like, money on all the CGI and Cylons and stuff, that would actually cut into the gravy money. So I assume that's why it did not get picked up. But, you know, the pilot was good. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, it's nice to see on Blu-ray. Um, so, yeah, that's my awesome thing. And then that brings us to uh, Mr. Brian. What is your awesome thing of the week? Um, I have two also. One I thought Mike uh, was going to mention. Uh, I, this week I got in the mail the Demolition Crew which, for those that don't know, it's basically the third-party reimagining of the Jump Starters, uh, Top Spin and Twin Twist. Um, so these are pretty awesome figures, and, I mean, it's not hard to beat the originals, obviously, but um, they are very, very cool figures, and uh, a nice thing about them is that they're fairly cheap compared to most third-party stuff. Um, I think I, I bought a set for, like, 60 bucks off Captured Prey, Actually, Brian, um, so, you and him are uh, secret brothers because he did mention them on the last. Uh, oh, access. well, I, uh, I. Nice try, Brian. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> Dang it! It's on to me. Yeah, I was about to. I was about to say. I'm feeling. I'm feeling a sense of what is it? Deja vu. <laughs> Anyways, I, I echo Mike's uh, enjoyment of these figures, and um, you know, for how cheap they are, they're wait, like wait, 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 Brian, Brian, tell me about the special faceplate again. I need to hear about it. What, well, what actually, you... I can't speak about that because mine really? didn't come with it. It had to get made what? separately. So, what? oh man, the, the deja vu ends there. 
What, it, wait, it didn't come with it? Like, they, what happened with that Facebook? Um, I don't know. There's just a mix-up mix at Captured Prey, and they had to mail it separately. But it really? is on its way. Oh. Yep. Okay, because yeah. Mike said that it was all small, and you had to, like, look for it. Like, you might accidentally throw yeah, it out like, with the so bathwater or something. Right right now, Brian is fueling up on Jägermeister with tacos in hand. <laughs> yeah, it was in a little, like, Ziploc bag inside, like, the large... Not even in the, like, actual boxes, but in, like, the whole, like, shipment. So, like, I had to dig through, like, the bubble wrap and stuff to find it. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mike probably expounded on how great they are, um, you know, if you're a fan and want to get... But you know what? Not as well as you did. Well, thank you, Tim. Actually, actually, I think I did say that. I was like, these are great, and I'm explaining it better than Brian. <laughs> Damn it. I was trying to feel better. Okay, uh, I'll just move on to my second thing. It's a video game, XCOM Enemy Unknown. It's a um, turn-based strategy game for PlayStation 3. Uh, it's squad-based combat, so you get, like, uh, you start out with four guys at a time, you get up to six, and you shoot aliens, and it's really fun. And third-based, or um, sorry, turn-based strategy games are kind of a rare thing on consoles. So it's just a nice game to come across. I think it's already discounted to like forty bucks, but um, it it received very high marks from all the review sites. So if you're a fan of those type of games, I, I saw that Steeljaw was from the from Bot Talk. Um, if you're a fan of those type of games, you you might want to look out for it and pick it up. Yeah, Mike told us about that last week, too. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to. No, actually, I, I'm actually somewhat familiar with SCOM, so that's cool they come up with a new version. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Cool. All right. So I guess that does it for the show tonight. Um, if you, you know, if you like, check out uh, some of the various incarnations of Thunderbolts. Uh, again, you cannot find uh, YouTube videos of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And, of course, we'll have some of those down on the spindle anyway uh, for you to check out if you so desire. Um, so, yeah, that that's pretty much the end of this uh, Thunderbolts MST3K podcast. And... Uh, Again, uh, you can send us emails, comments, criticisms, suggestions, feedback at uh, fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Blip TV. We've got uh, a Tumblr page. We've got a Tumblr page. Um, so we've got a lot of stuff. You can check us out on all those different social media venues. And uh, so thanks for listening. And uh, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Hey, it's Mike. Justice like lightning ever should appear to few men's ruin, but to all men's fair. This is Justin Grimlock. <laughs> <laughs> I can't top that. <laughs> what? You can't. You can't top poetry. I can top poetry. I'm like Satana. She makes me Randy, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no way. I got one. Man thing with your eyes so bright, won't you guide my team of psychopathic killers tonight? <laughs> and this is Tony Chainclaw, and I really feel bad about killing Brian's buzz about the Wreckers figures. It's okay. This is why I cut myself, but it's alright. <laughs> <laughs> alright, guys. Have a good Peace. night.
excited yeah. all week to talk about those two toys. <laughs> I, had, I had dreams See, about it. I had trouble sleeping last night. Hey, I I, sh- I didn't mention anything for like good like minute. <laughs> yeah, I was I was staying quiet because I was like, the longer Brian talks, the more devastating it will be when I tell him that I already talked about these. I I, I felt so bad because I was like, oh, he really likes these toys, and they're like. Shit, I gotta be the bear of bad news. And I just came fucking back and he gave me props for the episode. See, I, I, talked, I talked about Blood and Chrome last week too, but I didn't poop all over what Derek said. No, no, no. I knew, I knew you talked about that. <laughs> He's got class, figured, Justin. That's what's I know. Because I, I, I bought it, you know. I figured I'd just mention 